Good. How are you? Welcome to the Christians in Sport podcast. My guest today, Neil Lowe, is a top, top level sportsman, a triple Paralympian athlete. What you need to listen out for are some striking things in this interview. A terrible, absurd accident as a teenager, which meant he lost his arm. He should have died. He lost his arm. But listen out also for his nemesis, the Nigerian sprinter, Ajibola, and how they compete so intensely throughout his career. You'll hear something of the sheer agony of injury at the Sydney Olympics where he was out of the race. Here's a man who practices law, has a family, is a major international athlete, finds church a crucial place for his own personal sanity and development, and somehow has to combine all that. Oh, and finally, wait till you hear his life motto. It is incredible. Nilo, my guest today on the Christians in Sport podcast. This is the Christians in Sport podcast with Graham Daniels. Nilo, great to have you on the Christians in Sport podcast. How are you? Thank you. It's a real privilege to be here. Yeah, absolutely wonderful. Well, more wonderful for us because that we like on this podcast to have people with a proper CV. You know, this is a proper CV. But behind the story uh, of a majorly successful Paralympian and a guy which we'll find out later has a massive vision for athletes with disabilities to compete and make the most of life. Inevitably, uh, there's a story behind that. And the story for you is being a young boy, a teenager in 84, when an accident transforms your life. Could you tell us about it? On 26 December 1984, at Swartvlei in the Southern Cape in South Africa, I was involved in a freak electrical accident. My brother, Bram, at, though at that stage 15 years old, my friend Henny and myself, we were towing a catamaran, one of these double-hull sailing boats, towards a lake, and the mast touched electrical overhead high-voltage power lines. Uh, well, 11,000 volts surged through our bodies subsequently, and we sustained third-degree burning wounds. Medically uh, speaking, it was an absolute miracle that, that we survived that accident. And um, the doctors had to amputate my left arm, high just below the, the, the shoulder, as well as my brother's right leg below the knee, his right arm also high, as well as the toes of his left foot and my friend's right arm. So uh, we sustained third-degree burning wounds. We had to go undergo skin grafts, and um, we had a, a very difficult time in hospital. In the ensuing months of, of pain, uh, suffering, and, and discomfort, however, I became increasingly aware that nothing could separate me from the love of God. Being sort of in God's university of adversity, so-called, my life was changed and, and strengthened in every respect. It was though I was prepared for, for ministry, even at that moment in time, although I, 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 I didn't 
comprehend and understand it. And um, uh, I was really given, well, the reality dawned on me that I'd been given a second chance in life. And that's why I wanted to serve the Lord more diligently than ever before. Obviously incredible to hear a man talk like that. I mean, you just think the extent of what that accident meant for your friend and your brother. Correctly. Uh, more remarkable to hear the way you dealt with it, even as a youngster. Let, let me let me just tweak that a little bit because we know where you are now and, and uh, our listeners won't pick up what you're up to in real detail for a few minutes' time. Just help me now. Um, how, did, how did you cope with that? You're a Christian. You speak with zeal about your faith. I don't know. How do you cope as a sportsman? Because you're a really good kid at sport. I mean, what do you do? What does the next year look like for you? You're in agony, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, initially I was, I was, I was disillusioned. I was um, confused. I was very uncertain of what the future would, would in, in how the future would unfold for me. Um, uh, it was, it was a very difficult time. And, and, uh, but looking back, back. God really uh, changed the disadvantage to witnessing opportunities. And by God's grace, I resumed my schoolwork once again because I was, at, I was still at school. And I entered the competitive sports arena once again. Uh, besides athletics, I also participated in rugby and tennis against so-called able-bodied athletes. Some of the most memorable moments in my life that I would treasure, absolutely. And but also when thinking back the fact that um, my entrance into the world of the disabled opened doors for me and afforded me with opportunities I would never have encountered. I mean, a few days after the accident, the doctor told me that he felt confident that I would participate in sport once again. And little did we realize then that eight years later I would represent South Africa at the Paralympic Games in Barcelona and um, by God's grace also repeat this performance twice thereafter in 1996 and 2000. When did you start? When was your first competitive race uh, uh, with disability? Uh, well, in 1991, I was afforded Springbok colors in sprinting, 100, 200, and 400 meters. Yeah, but how did you get to those? I mean, to get Springbok colors, you, you've got <laughs> you better yeah, run before that. Absolutely. What happened is that um, once again, uh, it's it's just amazing, and I I give God all the glory and the honor. When at school, I participated in some uh, competition against able bodies, and I was selected for the team uh, in to, to participate against other schools. And then I was introduced into sport for disabled. Actually, the reality dawned on me that I am disabled, and there are there are opportunities for me to compete against athletes with similar limitations, disabilities than me. Uh, a new concept for me at that moment in time. Oh, Neil, though, but at this point, <laughs> did you think, because I'm looking look, I'm looking at his eyes now, at this moment, did you think to yourself, okay, I'm quick, uh, I can run against anybody and do well. But you know what? I've just got this thought in my head that if I enter a different world because of the disability, I could be the ups. Did you think that? I could be the top man. Well, uh, at, at one stage, I realized that Although I was, say, above average competing against able-bodied athletes, there were opportunities for me to compete internationally. And, and that really motivated me 
just to to make most of the opportunity and to prepare myself as good as I can. So what was the gap between your first race in in disabled athletes amongst disabled athletes to your vest in '91? What's the space? The space is since uh, the accident happened in 1984. I started competing in 1986 again against juniors, and mm. during that year I was competing for the school as well. So. Uh, uh, there were a few junior competitions in between, I would say, on a national level. And then in starting at senior level, uh, just like, say, what, 1990 or so. So it's about five years, I would say. Wow. Um, then I, was, I started competing internationally. And, well, a year later in 1992, I found myself in the Paralympic arena. Um, you went to Barcelona? Yeah, 11 South Africans and myself, a small team. All of a sudden, we were fortunate and, and really blessed to compete against about 3,000 athletes from more than 100 countries. Uh, athletes that, that, that really um, uh, that, that who had come to terms with their own limitations and absolute the pinnacle of human triumph, courage and endeavor to me. Um, I was overwhelmed with what I've observed. And, and I think that opened the door for me for an uh, international career. Well, well, wait, before we get there, I want to know, in the which was the first final, two or 400? Which um, was the first one? The first final was the 200 final. Okay, yeah. when you're on the line, you've done the heats, you've done the semis, you're there. Are you standing there thinking, I'll win this? Or did you think you could win it? Yes, let me just think. They were a guy who was the, was the world record holder at that moment in time from Nigeria, Ajibola Ario. Um, the, one could see actually best times and performances uh, prior to the race, so I knew it would be a tough one. But I knew there was a there was a, a realistic perspective to to get a medal in the race. And if I think back, sixty thousand spectators, and I even was warned for having a false start in one way or another. Although it didn't really happen, I mean, I think what happened, I just slightly moved perhaps, and the guy next to me had a false start. But I was warned, so you can just imagine <laughs> the tension in, in that arena. I'll never forget it. And then at the end, the relief to, 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 to win the bronze medal. It was absolutely wonderful, fantastic. I'll, I'll never forget it, treasure it for the rest of my life. Can you pick, can you, <laughs> I, I, it's great this, because I, I watch, uh, the great thing about interviewing when there's no cameras, you see a man's face <laughs> light up. Just, you, you, you knew you were third when you crossed the line? Did you know you got it as you crossed? Um, interesting enough, the guy who was second was, was a British athlete, Nigel Kultas. And it was quite close. And so uh, he was, just let me think, he was second, yes. So I was just behind him. But I was clearly third, yeah. The, you the knew you were across. Yeah, yeah, definitely so. By 94, 98, you keep adding, you get a, you get a 400 uh, bronze. You 94, 98, two silvers, two bronze. Great, Atlanta's so. interesting. I mean, Atlanta was a big Olympic Games. And now you're, you're an experienced athlete. I mean, by the time you get to Atlanta, 96, you've got a lot of international competition. What was it like there? Yeah, definitely so. Uh, Graham, it was once again, it was it was one of the best teams that ever left our shores. I think it, it's that the team won 28 medals. Um, and uh, I was fortunate to once again win a bronze medal at this true spectacular event. Uh, very special because, of course, the competition was, was tough and, um, and, and requ it required sort of a real effort from my side. Um, but a very special moment, yeah, definitely so. 
big crowds in Atlanta. Yeah, yeah. Big games. Absolutely. Uh, was there any one person who was your nemesis in this period? You, you know, you're picking up, you're getting to finals, you're finishing third, you're, you're getting silvers as well in world championships. What, was there one person who was your nemesis who, who you just couldn't catch or wasn't it quite like that? Yeah, I would say this this guy Ajibola, and, and he had the, the the world record in the hundred and the two hundred meters for years. In fact, I think this record was only broken now at the Rio Paralympics. So you can just imagine for how many. But I was fortunate some years later in nineteen ninety nine at the African Games in Johannesburg to 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 win to beat this. You beat him. To beat him. To Come beat him. on. And that's where I actually won a, a gold medal at the All African Games in in nineteen ninety nine. Uh, you are such a modest man. I'm looking up his CV <laughs> and I couldn't find that anywhere. I wish that was in the beginning. <laughs> yeah, it was one of those days. It was uh, against all expectation. And we were running the 200-meter event and it was just great. Um, at, at one stage, I, I realized there's this possibility to catch up. And I just closed the gap. And it was a well, close, How far close out were you? How far out? When you, when you knew you're on the 200, oh. when did you know you could take him? Uh, just uh, when coming into the straight, basically, it was two, three meters behind him. And... I would say the last ten meters. All of a sudden, he just lost rhythm, and and pace, and and I and I closed the gap. And it was. It well, was could you close. smell it? Could you I smell could it? Smell you could it. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. So. It was one of those. I, it was like a magnet just pulling me over the line, and um, yeah, I was overwhelmed. It was. It was a really special moment. I want to take you then to Sydney because by Sydney now, you, look, yeah. you still look a very young man, but you're obviously getting quite <laughs> old now by 2000 in Sydney. Um, and uh, on paper, of course, you, you were going to retire after that. We'll see in a minute. Um, but shame in Sydney in a way because this is a this is now your third Olympic Games. Uh, you'd have been hopeful, very experienced. Mm. You, you've beaten your main rival. In, in 99 so. but your hamstring goes bang in the semis of the yeah 100. it's one of those things Graeme um, as an athlete I always know that um, I was not exempted from disappointments adversity and and setbacks and if it happens uh, it needs real courage and uh, to, 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 to rise and triumph once again so um, I was I was well prepared I was um, 32 years old um, I was running great times at that moment in time I was a real contender for a medal and just halfway down the the track my left my hamstring tore th third degree hamstring tear uh, I was in pain I was disillusioned I was just overwhelmed I was afterwards they treated me in the the medical center I know I couldn't distinguish between tears and just pure sweat so it was it was a difficult time um, I was uh, we are in expected a medal uh, to stand on a podium i was pushed around in a wheelchair basically by my wife um, for the next few days but i was still part of the team and and during one night i just woke up and realized as they and i read a verse from nehemiah 8 verse 10 stating that the joy of the lord is my strength i was really struggling with god and i i came to a point where the reality dawned on me that um that God is in control, that he knows best, and that he has a perfect plan and purpose for my life, as, as also after the accident. And, and looking back, I had another role and responsibility to play in, in the team setup and at Sydney, although I had to withdraw from my best event, the 200-meter mm. um, sprint, and I never competed uh, thereafter internationally again. So that was retirement post-Sydney? What happened is that I retired, yes, the next year after the South African Championships, basically, and then seven years later, six years later, I made a sort of a, say, momentary comeback uh, where I 
was training for a year with some youngsters uh, in an endeavor to be selected for the Paralympic team in a relay for Beijing. And it was a close encounter. I, uh, I was, we, we broke a world record actually, myself and three other um, younger, some with leg amputations and another guy with, a, with a, an arm, some still competing in the Paralympics. And we would have run the, the fastest time that we are. We would have obtained a medal at, uh, with that time. But unfortunately, only a small squad was selected, and that was the end of my career then. That basically, was at it. the end of yeah, 2007. Uh, what strikes me uh, as I converse with you is that you constantly refer to the fact that what happened to you in that accident as a young boy, you, you've seen it as a, a way of turning for good. Absolutely. Uh, so. for, your, for advantage in life. You've taken advantage of it almost. I, I just wonder when you're at Olympic Games, for example, does your, dare I say it like this, your cheerful, positive demeanor and your sharing of your faith, does it annoy people? Uh, are people receptive to you? How does it work for you sharing your faith, given the way that you talk about it when you're competing against people? If I think back, uh, I would say, just uh, once again emphasize the importance of walk to walk the talk basically and that your your life need to be a testimony and if 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 i think back by god's grace i i maintained great relationships with my fellow team members uh, and uh, there were many opportunities to just share or just in the way i i sort of through conduct and 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 the way responding to difficulties they where it, it really had an impact and two examples one was when i was injured uh in 2000 um afterwards the people the fellow team members were very sympathetic and uh, because they, they they were asking themselves why had it happened to 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 use specifically they couldn't believe it in a sense because they knew that i was outspoken that i was a christian and and that created an opportunity for for me to to minister to them and to to reach out and even to distribute a video and to connect in a sense so so god actually created that platform for me by the way i responded to the adversity for him to be glorified and for the kingdom to be extended and and also thinking back in the at the Paralympic Village, I was sharing my faith with one of the fellow athletes within the Christian Center. He was the 100-meter uh, competitor from Zimbabwe, who actually at the end won the gold medal. And we had the opportunity to, at the end, pray together and, and, and even encourage one another. He was a Christian, uh, so but there was an environment, and I could share, and, and uh, well... A, fri a friendship also emanated there from uh, when God was was glorified. At the end, he was he, he was the his journey ended triumphantly, and mine in despair. But but God was glorified in both. Meanwhile, of course, you're you've trained in law. You're a lawyer. Yeah, that's you, correct. I mean, the, the demands of combining a family, a significant professional life, and major global 
work as an athlete. Absolutely. I mean, how stressful was that? It was a huge challenge. Um, uh, I was happily married with a wonderful lady, Hanali. We are married for 25 years now this December. I've got three boys. They are 20, 18, and 13 years old. So yeah, as you mentioned, you can just imagine um, the responsibilities as a father and a husband combined with um, a full-time career and, and competing in athletics. Um, I think I, it's just by God's grace. And I, I, but at one stage, it's, I had to make certain profound decisions. Well, yeah, I, I can see incredibly demanding combination of family, kids, uh, law, athletics. Uh, and of course, uh, church, uh, because you're mm. competing, presumably, lots of weekends. How, how did church work? So many athletes find the, this balance so difficult. It was always important for me to be an active member in a local church. And I also, I always had the support and the sort of spiritual family, let's call it, of of people who were really involved in my life personally. And it, it was not uh, only a structure, but it was the body of Christ in motion. And And I think the fact that I had a, a small group of, of, of people, let's say accountability groups, uh, assisted in for me to, to, to be just to, to, to be prepared and, and to, to stay focused and to really uh, be, uh, to make a difference at the end uh, wherever, I, wherever I go and, and where, wherever I was involved. So Neil, um, it's really been the last three or four years that we've got to know each other through your involvement in working uh, really as a mentor and a supporter of people in the field that you were an athlete in. About three years, I should think. T tell me about that vision that you have now and how that's formed. Um, surely, it, it, well, it emanates from my years of competing internationally during the 90s, where I believe that God already started preparing and equipping me for ministry. Uh, I had a wonderful time to interact with people from not only fellow competitors, but also opponents, uh, let's call it the nations of the world in that respect. And also the friendships that emanated there from that were established. And yeah, just my personal world that has been expanded. And I think uh, I realized the important role, profound role I can play within the ambit of sport for disabled worldwide. And I believe that God called me for such a time as this. And it was only three years ago that I was introduced to uh, ministry, reaching out to athletes with disabilities. And we have a ministry which I'm, by God's grace, leading called All Ability Ministry, where it is our vision uh, to, namely living, telling, and knowing the gospel uh, in obedience to the Bible and fulfillment to the Great Commission, reaching out to the disabled communities of the world, basically. And uh, yes, uh, I have a team from various countries supporting me, and we really endeavor to, to reach people with the love of Christ, and not only uh, proclaiming the gospel, but also serving them and also discipling them. And if I say them, it's not only athletes either. It's all people within the ambit of the, the sporting world for people with disabilities, I would say. So we are, we are talking about coaches and 
managers, teachers, trainers, uh, all officials, people actually dealing and interacting with with athletes with disabilities. So, so uh, there are huge demands and. I think what's caught my imagination here is um I think I want to know what's changed Neil. So I I can now take you back on two levels. I can take you back to 1991 and we're now in 2016. That is a long time. Absolutely. Uh what's changed in terms of the world uh of disabled athletics how much has it changed to be a person who competes or coaches in that world has the culture changed has the attitude changed and secondly has the attitude and culture changed in understanding christianity and accepting christianity in that world so they're two separate questions but i'd like to take them from me uh yes i would say they would they they were a lot of changes since 1991 in various respects um i think we we nowadays have a real true elite and and high profile athletes uh some of them competing full time and and uh they are really confronted and faced with all the challenges within the ambit of 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 high profile competition and we as and myself ha has a huge role to play especially at major sporting events with regard to to chaplaincy and to 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 reach out and to 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 address the needs of 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 the athlete and and it, as far as those athletes go because you are at major events now uh, if the status of the elite athlete is a reality and all the Great pressures that go with it what about the appreciation or understanding of the reality of being a christian athlete uh, is there more understanding and grasp of that than ever before or not in a sense i think it's it's even more difficult uh to to share jesus within the the ambit of 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 the international arena and i've just realized the the importance for us to to really follow in the, the footsteps of Jesus uh and to be real uh, being a christian sportsman i i just realized the importance of of integrity and and to walk the talk and since sport creates images that captures the hearts of people it has the potential to shape the lives of people and and therefore i have much more of a responsibility nowadays to to ensure that 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 people's lives are being shaped and that God is really glorified by the way that 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 I compete that 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 Christian athletes compete and also in the role that we play in 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 equipping and assisting athletes in in or, in order to let's call it survive in in that hostile environment and secondly i think it's important to also to convey to to athletes to live their sort of player mentality in order with which they, they were born with in order to really glorify god uh, a great example to me personally even when i was competed competing was comes from the words of uh, eric little the scottish olympic athlete who won the gold medal in the 1924 olympic games in in uh, france and also the 
the well-known um, actor of the film Chariots of Fire, and you, you, you used to say, God made me fast. When I run, I can feel God's pleasure. And I think it's, it's, a, it's a real challenge also to, to motivate the athlete to still find delight in competing, uh, despite the, the, the competitive arena that they find themselves in, and to really make a difference in the lives of fellow athletes. And that's why it's so important to engage them in uh, Bible studies and in uh, chaplaincy programs uh, on a longer term in order for them to, to really make a difference in the lives of, of, of the people that they compete against. So interesting hearing you quote our famous Scotsman Eric Liddell uh, after his Paris victory in 24, uh, 1924 that is. Um, come on then, let me put you on the spot. Uh, I, I don't mind hearing Eric Liddell's uh, view and philosophy of sport and life. I'd like to hear yours. What's yours? Surely, Graham, I'll tell you. <laughs> oh, what, good. Thank you. <laughs> um, well, before the Paralympic Games in 2000, I was asked to formulate my life motto for purposes of displaying at the clubhouse in Sydney. Um, I was thinking a little bit, and then it just came to mind, and it sounds like this. It's not the arm that I lost that really matters but all the countless blessings that I have gained in this race of life. Oh, my word. That's remarkable. Neil, you've given us a remarkable insight, uh, not just to being a competitor, and with that slightly wicked smile in your eyes when we talk about taking somebody on the last bend of the last few years, last few, taking somebody on the last bend of the last few yards, but I think you've also given us a significant insight into the emotional and spiritual life of elite athletes in your field and in the world that you've operated in mm. for so long. It's just been a real joy spending some time with Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you very much indeed. What a privilege. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Thank I you, Neil You've been listening to the Christians in Sport podcast uh, with me, Graham Daniels. As ever, nothing can possibly be more thrilling than meeting somebody who gets it. Now, you know the drill on this podcast. They get it. They're really mega competitive. They're really good athletes. And they know God through Jesus Christ. And I know that all kinds of people listen to our podcast People who say, well, I, I've been a Christian since I, I'm a young girl, uh, through to somebody who says, I'm not a Christian at all, but I get the sport bit, and I, I, get, I get the thing about God, but I don't know that it's me. Hey, wherever you are on that spectrum, we are just delighted that you want to be listening today and at other times when this podcast comes out. If you want to know anything at all, all you have to do is to go to the Christians in Sport website christiansinsport.org.uk everything you need to know is there meanwhile uh, I'm off uh, I'll see you next time have a good one